please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. For all you have given, we are for all you will say today, we are for all you call us to, we are ready to hands, form us, Lord, make us into your people, and we will transform the world. The reading today comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10 and 17 through 19. Actually, godliness is a great source of profit when it is combined with being happy with what you already have. We didn't bring anything into the world, and so we can't take anything out of it. We'll be happy with food and clothing, but people who are trying to get rich fall into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful passions that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some have wandered away from the faith and have impaled themselves with a lot of pain because they made money their goal. Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. <coughs> when they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves. That is a good foundation for the future. That way they can take hold of what is truly life. So I have to ask a couple words of forgiveness as we start out, first of all. <coughs> that noise is going to happen. Sorry. Um, second, I, I have a little bit of a confession. Um, the last couple of weeks, I have really gotten back into listening to podcasts. Now, on its face, that, that doesn't sound that bad. You see, the reason I, I've gone back to podcasts is because um, normally when I drive, I'm a pretty regular NPR listener. Now, if you are also a regular NPR listener, you have started judging me already because <laughs> you know um, that, that the reason I've sort of gone back to podcasts is that NPR has been in the midst of their fall pledge drive lately. And, you know, I really, I try every time this comes around to, to stick with it and to, to be a good and faithful listener. But, I mean, really, who wants to listen to somebody talk about how great their programs are for like 20 minutes and then ask you for money. <laughs> right, okay, it's gonna be that kind of morning. So, um, clearly you were all too spiritually mature to think that stewardship is about talking about your programs and then asking for money. It's good to know we're starting on a great foot. But there is always that temptation. Right? That I could just stand up here and, and I could tell you how many youth Lisa Michelle has added to the roles and how many Zoe orphans we've helped and how much money we spent on Adam Hamilton DVDs this year and then you, you would fill in the budget as you needed. But stewardship ought to be more than that. It is our moment in the year to talk really seriously with one another about how we spend our time and our money. And those can be uncomfortable subjects. 
especially for preachers. Um, the truth is, if we didn't have to get paid, we might not want to talk about money just about ever. But if we look at our forebearers, we know that, that Jesus talked about money. He talked about money all the time. He talked about it more than he talked about hell, more than he talked about sex, more than he talked about heaven. In fact, more than he talked about heaven or hell combined. He talked to people about how they spend their money. Our founder of Methodism, John Wesley, the only thing he talked about more than money was grace and holy living. But even he, in his day, <coughs> called the spending of wealth the branch of Christen Christian wisdom seldom discussed. I know, that is the most riveting John Wesley quote you have ever heard. Um, but it's, it's a little true. It is this branch of wisdom that we don't like to talk about. That line, that branch of Christian wisdom, comes from a sermon of his called On the Use of Money. I bet you know more of this sermon than you do, since I'm talking to clearly well-formed Christians. Um, this is the same sermon where we get that nice maxim, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Have you heard that at least in the last 15 minutes? All right, okay, we are awake, good. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. This is how we as Christians talk about money. But it doesn't sound that particular, right? It does sound a little bit like a, a general strategy for wealth management, that you could walk into your average Barnes and Noble and find this on the financial wealth section. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. It's helpful to know that that phrase never appears all together anywhere in Methodist works. To get earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, you have to put some pretty big ellipses into that phrase. There's a lot of stuff that goes with that. And that stuff makes all the distinction between how the church talks about wealth and how the world talks about it. Today we're talking about earning all you can. So as I was prepping for this uh, sermon, I, I was going to be out of town, Peter was going to be out of town, so I was doing it a little bit early. <coughs> Sorry, I warned you. Um, and I came across this story, the story of uh, a young man about my age by the name of Martin Schrickelli. Probably not a super familiar name, um, but if you're an avid news watcher, you might have heard him, you might know him by the name the news media gave him, which was Pharma Bro. That guy, that guy, yes. Martin Shirkelly is a, is a young man. He owns a company called Turing Pharmaceuticals. Um, they don't make things. They buy up older drugs, little used drugs, um, and they repackage them as designer therapies for niche conditions. What they did was buy up a drug called Dharmaprim. Now, Dharmaprim is about as old as penicillin. It's been around for a long time. Um, people could get it for somewhere between $7 and $13 a pill and it treats a toxic condition of the blood that really only affects people who have suppressed immune systems. So people who are on chemo or suffering from AIDS. It's not a widely used drug, not a big deal. But Turing Pharmaceutical bought it up and they repackaged it and the drug went from $7, $13 a pill to $750 a pill. 
And within 24 hours, Martin Shirkelly found himself on every morning news program trying to explain why his company made this choice. And he is a very smart and articulate young man. And he said, we are a young company. We are trying to be a successful company. We recognize that the drug was not profitable at the price that it was at. So we have made it profitable so that we can put the proceeds into further research. By every monetary measure, what Martin Shirkelly did was not only correct, but successful. And he has shown his success. This is not his first company. He has bought and sold, and he's my age. We won't talk about how old that is. He's a shining example by the world's standards of earn all you can. But when we as the people of God talk about earn all you can, we know that it's about more than the number of zeros at the end of a check. That, it's that pesky little ellipse in there. We know that when we talk about earning all you can, that that is first and foremost not an exhortation to gather profit, but to keep working with due diligence all your life. John Wesley was a man who, in his 80s, from his deathbed, was still writing letters against the abolition of slavery, who is still encouraging the good fight, who never, never stopped writing and publishing long after he needed to make money to support himself. I think about uh, my dad, who lives in Corsicana, Texas. Uh, he worked the rigs all his life, so we did not, not grow up a wealthy family. Um, but in his retirement, and he would kill me for saying this out loud, has discerned a call to children's ministry? <laughs> he would not phrase it like that. But what he does instead is um, spend every Wednesday afternoon driving the bus to pick up elementary school ch kids, bring them back to the church, look after them in after-school care, run the local trunk or treat, and then on weekends he builds Habitat for Humanity houses. This man gets paid for none of it. But he's going to continue to earn all he can all his life. When we talk about earn all you can, it's about more than the zeros. And so we recognize that there are limits on how we earn. We say earn all you can, continue to work with diligence, but never do it at the expense of your body, never do it at the expense of your soul, and never do it at the expense of your neighbor. Now that first one, never earn at the expense of your body, seems like it ought to be a no-brainer. Now you can work hard, and there are lots of people who make a good living for their family doing manual labor, and they do it healthy, and they do it as best they can. But do you know that 75% of Americans get some form of paid vacation? 75%, that's, that's pretty good. However, only 25% of those people will take that vacation this year. And of those 25% who take that vacation, 70% will check email or answer phone calls while they're away. We have become a society who not only wants to work hard and be productive, but is a little bit obsessed with it. We will sacrifice sleep and healthy eating and even rest. Even
even though we know, we know statistically that people who take vacation come back more productive, more creative, and more focused. They actually do better work. But there is this fear, I think, in us. We have lived so long in this environment of scarcity, in this world that says you have to earn all you can before someone else does, that we don't know how to just let go for a little bit. And we have started to earn whatever we can at the expense of our own health and well-being. It's a dangerous example, not only for ourselves, but for our children, because they will be the people we show them, right? They will have the work ethic we teach them. It is good to teach them to work hard and to never give up, but do they see you at the dinner table? Do they see you go to bed at night and wake up rested? Do they see you make space for rest? Living in that environment of scarcity makes it easy to let go of those healthy choices. It makes it easy to convince ourselves that, that working the extra 10 hours or 20 hours is good because we're saving up for college, right? We're banking it for retirement. I know my phrase in college was, I will sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> Been there. I have a cold right now. It's probably not a great reflection on this particular sermon point. But it is dangerous to us. And if we are willing to sacrifice the body, the thing that will tell us very quickly when we have stepped over the line, how much harder is it to earn all you can without sacrificing your soul? Because your soul doesn't always cry out in quite the same way. We have this phrase, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Oftentimes we quote that back to 1 Timothy, and it's there, but by the time the author of 1 Timothy wrote those words down, he himself was quoting a well-known maxim of the ancient world. This is deep and profound wisdom, going all the way back beyond even the Romans and the Greeks. People knew that you had to earn enough to keep your family fed and sheltered and housed, but the second the second your focus became the coin rather than the stuff of real life, you were in trouble. Notice that nowhere in the passage today does he say it's bad to be rich. Nowhere does he say you should sell everything and go live under a bridge. We have never said that money in and of itself is bad. It can be a blessing not only to us, but to those around us. But is it the focus? Because the same scripture that tells us the root of all evil is the love of money says, where your treasure is, where your focus is, there your heart will be also. This is a tough one. It's one of those maturity things. I can't give you a litmus test that says you're earning all you can at the expense of your soul. Now you got this little sheet here in your, uh, in your bulletins. Nobody's gonna check this, I promise. I know some of these questions are kind of personal. Um, but they will help you with some of the reflection. 
but they won't tell you the answer. There is no magic yes, no, that job's okay, this job's not, because the truth is it's about the relationship and where your eyes are set. Some men are soldiers all their lives, and it draws them closer to Christ. They pray, and they teach, and it becomes a part of their faith, and some men it leaves them bereft. Some people work on Wall Street, and they become great philanthropists. They feed the poor, they found orphanages, they support the arts, and some people it corrodes their soul. It's about where your focus is. See, greed is an insidious thing. It is dangerous and corrosive, but it's just that little bit sweet. It's kind of like Coca-Cola, right? It feels kind of good, but you know Coke will actually leave you thirstier than when you started? You can't earn all you can at the expense of your own soul. And the truth is that once we're willing to start making those compromises, once we're willing to sacrifice time with God, once we're willing to, to lie or to cheat or to just, you know, fudge the numbers a little bit, it's a small step to being willing to earn at the expense of your neighbor as well. Here we come back to Mr. Shirkelly. By the rules of capitalism, what Mr. Shikelli did was a smart business move. But that, that news went live on Twitter, and within 24 hours, he was called the most reviled man on the internet. That's, that's a pretty big feat, actually. There are lots of reviled people on the internet. Even people outside the church recognized that, that a line had been crossed. There was that stab in the stomach that said, oh, wait a second. You gotta make money, yeah, but, but do you have to do it at the expense of the most vulnerable at a time when they can't fight back? Do you really have to take it from people who can least afford it because they're paying for, for other treatment? Do you really have to withhold life-saving medication? Is that really the best way to do this? And I'll give Mr. Shikali that he's not the only person to use this strategy to earn. But it is earning on the back of your neighbor. It is an uncomfortable concept. It might sound easy for, uh, for John Wesley to say those words, right? Because, of course, the past is always a better time. But the truth is he spoke into a people who were experiencing some of the best upward mobility in history. There were more chances to start earning your way out of poverty in the midst of the Industrial Revolution than ever before. There were also more chances to sacrifice your body, your soul, and your neighbor to do it. These are people who made money by having children work in factories, who owned slaves in American plantations, who sent men into coal mines and copper mines with little concern for their health or their safety, who dreamed up bogus investment schemes that they would, they would get people to buy into and then somehow the investments didn't work out and the money just disappeared. It's, it's clearly a very, very different time from ours. 
And yet he stood up and proclaimed quite loudly that branch of Christian wisdom, seldom discussed, that you ought to earn all you can. You ought to work hard and with diligence, not on the back of somebody else, not at the expense of your soul, not at the expense of your body, but you ought to do it for the kingdom of God. That you ought to continue the works of righteousness for their own sake. He is a man who never drew a salary and yet did very, very well from his publishing. He understood what it meant to make money without ever letting it become your focus in life. What it meant to make money and still hold true to loving the Lord with mind, with body, with strength, and to loving your neighbor as yourself. We say, earn all you can. Work with diligence all your life, whether it's for a paycheck or not. But always do it to the glory of God. Amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others uh, take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. And during this season of stewardship, we really do believe that getting a financial house in order as uh, individuals, but also as a church is important. So being the kind of people that follow Wesley's rule of earning all we can, saving all we can, and giving all we can is a part of who we are as Christians. Uh, stewardship letters went out last week. Uh, I know some pledge cards are already coming back. We would encourage you to think about how best uh, you might partner with the church uh, in sharing what God has blessed you with uh, so that together we might raise a generation in faith. Um, there are a lot of opportunities for ministry in the weeks to come. Uh, one is, um, don't forget, there's a luncheon to appreciate those who have been teaching on behalf of the Grow Ministries. Uh, it'll be in the Fellowship Hall. We look forward to seeing you there. Uh, there's also uh, Monday night, there's a men's Bible study that continues at Worst House. Come and eat uh, uh, dinner with us and then also study the word. It's on uh, uh, making ourselves uh, open to God's grace. And then, of course, there's the Harvest Festival at the end of uh, the month. Uh, it's not just a trunk or treat. It's so much more. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate what God's doing here in this place. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. There's a, a bulletin board outside in the narthex. We'd love for you to connect uh, with an opportunity. Um, if you haven't already, um, Kate, uh, Pastor LM, Pastor Kate, and myself would love to help connect you to that. And lastly, if today's the day that you'd like to join this congregation, we'd love to have you as a member of this family of faith. You can walk down during our closing hymn, uh, and we, love, we would love to look forward to the time uh, that you'll be a full part of this congregation. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you are interested in having someone walk with you through a difficult time, Irene Standard is here to represent our Stephen ministers. They will gladly pray now or later, um, or set you up with your own Stephen minister who will meet with you weekly for a designated period of time. It's really a great ministry and I encourage you to take the opportunity. We also have the prayer chapel just off the sanctuary. But now would you take the hand of your neighbor? The same God whose eye is on the sparrow and who cares for the lily of the field 
looks also after our every need. So go forth into the world, prepared to work with diligence, to earn all we can, not for the love of money, but for the glory of God and the witness of Christ's kingdom in this place. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.